Adam Crowley. I'm pumped, man. How pumped? I'm ready to go. How pumped? You I'm ready tell to me go. Right now, right now. How pumped you are. Right now, let's go. You tell me. You tell her how pumped you are. All right, let's go right now, right here. Whoa, whoa, no, Jesus. No, 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 no. In the middle of the prom. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Listen to the chat. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley. What a leaping grab by Antonio Brown on the near sideline. Presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Incredible is the only word I can think of. Now, here's Adam Crowley. Whoa, that was fancy there. Crowley coming to you live from Mullins for Corona Tailgate Talk. We are on the North Shore as we will be before every single primetime Steelers game. Home or away, Steelers tonight take on Tampa Bay on the road in what I think is a must win game certainly if the Steelers fall to 0-2-1 the math is not in their favor but first we start out talking about what is the biggest topic around sports today and that is the Philadelphia Flyers mascot they're calling him gritty not goalsy not skatesy not good at hockey no they're going gritty and that tells you all you need to know about a franchise that hasn't won a championship since 1975 all right enough about the Flyers Cody Sensabaugh could be playing tonight instead of Artie Burns. Not injury-related, but just because Artie Burns stinks. No DeCastro. That is injury-related. No Marcus Gilbert. That is injury-related. Matt Filer will be playing left tackle. B.J. Finney at right guard. No Burnett in the sub-packages, which means Nat Burhey is going to play in sub-package football. And I would expect the Steelers to be starting Terrell Edmonds at safety alongside Sean Davis. This is a huge one. If the Steelers don't win, math to make the playoffs is hard. Uh, Like any math, I don't want to try to think about it. Teams that are 0-3 have about a 2.5% chance of making the playoffs. Now, I've always thought that is kind of chicken or egg. Bad teams start 0-3. Bad teams don't make the playoffs. So, do you start 0-3 because you're good or bad? Well, it's because you're bad. Well... That's why most of those teams don't make the playoffs. I'm still not convinced the Steelers are bad. Even if they lost tonight, I don't think that they are one of the worst teams in the AFC. In fact, the way things have been shaking out, I still think that they're one of the six-ish best teams in the AFC. But again, math. What the hell are the percentages of an 0-2-1 team making the playoffs? I mean, not good, I'd imagine. Around the 2.5%, maybe a little bit better, right? But I had the Steelers winning each of the first three games they played this season when I first looked at the schedule. They're playing Cleveland, who had won one game in the 32 games prior to the opener. They played the Kansas City Chiefs, whom they bleeped up for the last five times they've played them, and they've been able to move the ball at will. Then you look at Tampa Bay, and yeah, they've got players, but they didn't have Jameis Winston, who's the quarterback of the future for them. And instead, they bring in a guy that the Steelers have never lost to in Ryan Fitzpatrick. I thought, okay, Steelers, 3-0. and They'll get off to a good start. Baltimore comes to town, and hey, rock, paper, scissors, you roll the dice. You'll probably split with them either way. Who knows? But if the Steelers fall to 0-2-1 before playing Baltimore, with the way that the schedule sets up down the road... I'm not loving their chances to make the playoffs. As we saw yesterday, Atlanta, yes, they lost at home, but they scored a butt-ton of points. 
I thought after watching game one, Atlanta was going to have red zone problems. They weren't going to be able to move the football. They weren't going to be able to punch it in. And I was wrong. The offense has figured it out. Now, defensively, they're a mess, but they kind of resemble the Chiefs then, don't they? They're coming up on the Steelers' schedule. I mentioned the Saints. They're coming up later on in the Steelers' schedule. The Panthers, who just beat division rival Cincinnati, they're up on the schedule. The Patriots will be on the schedule. The Jags, on the road, are on the schedule. And then you look at the AFC and you think, who might be good? The Chargers might be good. Steelers have to play them later on in the season. So... You start 0-2-1, I'm finding it difficult to find the 10 wins that you're going to need to make the playoffs. Uh, maybe 9-6-1 gets you in, but you're already behind the eight ball. You're already three games in without a win if you lose tonight. Uh, I know mathematically, technically, it's not a must win. I think it is a must win. There's a report out of New York that the New York Jets are interested in trading for Le'Veon Bell, and they've reached out to the Pittsburgh Steelers to try to make that happen. That's not surprising at all. The Jets are one of nine teams with cap room. The Jets need a running back. The Jets fancy themselves contenders, even though, let's be honest, they're not. So it would work out. Here's why in practicality, though, it ain't going to happen. The Steelers would have to have Le'Veon Bell sign the franchise tag. Then Le'Veon Bell would have to except the trade, and I don't think it behooves Le'Veon Bell at all. If Le'Veon Bell is so worried about getting hurt, if Le'Veon Bell is so worried about getting run into the ground by Mike Tomlin, why would he want to go play for the New York Jets and get run into the ground by them? This doesn't seem like it's a Steelers issue to me for Le'Veon Bell. I just don't think Le'Veon Bell wants to play a bunch of football this year. To me, Le'Veon wants to show up at the latest possible moment to toll a season towards the collective bargaining agreement. Whether it's with Pittsburgh or anyone else, I don't think matters, but why wouldn't it just be here in Pittsburgh? Why wouldn't he just sign up to do that? Here's the other thing compensation-wise I do think you need to pay attention to as it relates to Le'Veon Bell. If the Steelers don't trade Bell, Bell leaves at the end of the season, they will get a compensation pick in the draft in 2020 that'll be a third-round pick. So if the Steelers do get Bell to sign that franchise tag, and they do wind up moving him, well, it's going to have to be for a better return than a third-round pick because they're not just letting him go for nothing. As much as people love to say that, the woefully ill-informed on the station across the street say, you can't let Le'Veon Bell go because if you do, you're not going to get anything in return. I don't know why I made them Southern, but you do get something in return. You get a third-round pick in 2020. That's the bar. Can you get something better than that? Can you get a third-round pick this year? Can you get a second-round pick in any of the next couple of seasons? That's where the bar is. And if they can't get that, then you hang on to his rights and you let him walk at the end of the season and you say, thanks, don't let the door hit you on your big fat ass on the way out. This just in, Le'Veon Bell is fat now. Not fat as regular person fat, but fat running back fat. Eddie Lacy, as a running back, was regular person fat. Le'Veon Bell looking a little chubby now after partying his tail off in Miami. We're going to be joined by Matt Williamson coming up in about 13 minutes here on the Crowley Show. 412-922-2874 is the number to get involved, or you can join the cast of dozens. Then follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. What are we watching when it comes to the NFL? I don't know. You don't know. 
Peter King doesn't know. Mike Florio doesn't know. Ian Rappaport doesn't know. Name whoever you think is a great analyst. They don't know what they're watching. None of us know what we're watching. Detroit beats New England. Buffalo beats Minnesota. They were a 16-point underdog. Tennessee beats Jacksonville after Jacksonville whoops up on the Patriots. Washington beats Green Bay. We don't know what we're watching, and this is the beauty of the league. This is what gets you to watch the TV. Cleveland, they have hope right now. The Dolphins, they're 3-0. and They lead their division by two games with a trip to New England coming up. They think they can put the division away, even though they can't. The NFL breeds hope, and everyone is flipping mediocre. There's parity, as they say. I think it's mediocrity, and you look around the league, and there's a handful of undefeated teams, and everyone else is kind of crap. The Vikings, I thought, were one of the best teams in football. They lose to the worst team in football. The Saints, week one, one of the best teams in football. My Super Bowl pick from the NFC And what do they do? At home, they lay an egg to this very Tampa Bay team the Steelers are going to see tonight. That should give you hope as a Steelers fan, that the league hasn't run away from them at this point. But it should also make you nervous, too. Because this game went from the Steelers being a a two-and-a-half-point favorite to now, right before kickoff, the Steelers are a one-point underdog. It's a pick-em game. Nobody knows. I don't know. I do think the Steelers will win. But as I said, you should take no solace in that. How about Pitt? They suck. Pat Narduzzi stinks. Pitt stinks. They've lost to North Carolina four straight years under Pat Narduzzi's tutelage. And you got to wonder, what in the world have they seen in him where they can give him a seven-year extension? Can you believe that? This is the same program that fired Jamie Dixon, or let him walk away, that fired Dave Wanstash that now has given Pat Narduzzi prior to the season a seven-year contract expecting what? That he's going to beat Miami every year? That he's going to beat Clemson once out of every couple of years? As if that matters. You know what Syracuse did last year? They beat Clemson. You know what they've done? They've built on it. After Pitt beat Clemson, they built on nothing. They were 5-7 and seven last year, and if you watch that UNC-Pitt game on Saturday, they came out in the second half and did not have any adjustments they didn't have any answers the offense totally dried up the defense couldn't make a critical stop late in the game when there was the wild tar heel wild cat whatever you want to call it Uh, they played the fake they didn't play the run this is supposed to be a team that plays good defense under a defensive wizard instead you've got a jabroni coach who says we're going to see in the acc championship game and then proceeds to lose to their rival by 46 points 45 points, and then goes on the road in front of zero fans and loses that one by a field goal, and the head coach has the gall today. Pat Narduzzi has the stones to say, oh, we were just one play away. You make one play here, you make one play there, we win the game. Isn't life just made up of one moment, one decision over and over and over again? I think the one decision that Pitt made that will haunt them for a long time is the hiring and the subsequent extending of Pat Narduzzi. He's just a guy. Maybe he's a good defensive coordinator. Maybe he's having a difficult time figuring out how to balance that along with being a head coach. But the defense hasn't gotten better over the years. The offense with Kenny Pickett was supposed to be good this year. They're not. And they're following up two 8-5 seasons. Woohoo! Yay! Ha ha! That's so great. 
with a 5-7 and seven season and then a 2-2 two and two start, and they're going to go down to South Florida this weekend and get their ass kicked. Unless they don't, because that would be the most thing ever. Beat the defending national champs. UFC, baby. We beat them. UCF. Doesn't matter. They're going to put Pitt in a headlock. And if they don't, Pitt wins. Oh, the program is back. No, it's not. It's where it's been. And where it is is in the gutter. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Pretty much all Steelers uh, from here until the end of the show. It is a truncated version of Corona Tailgate Talk and the Crowley Show live from Mullins as we will pick up the Steelers Radio Network pregame at 620 today. Mike Pursuta, Bob Labriola, those fine gents, they'll be taking over. So we will be a little bit shorter today, about 45 minutes shorter, in fact. Hey, that means the second half of the show is really not going to happen. It's kind of like every pit second half. Matt Williamson comes up next to tell us about everything that went on this weekend around the NFL. He'll give his scouting report of Steelers and Tampa. And is it a must-win game? Your thoughts at 412-922-2874. His thoughts next. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. It's the Adam Crowley Show. Take me home. You will be in the back of my pickup. Take me home. We'll be in the butt. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Now, here's Adam Crowley. Wild weekend in the National Football League as a couple of heavy favorites lost, including the New England Patriots last night. Steelers trying to avoid their 0-2-1 start as they play Tampa Bay. Uh, we've got Matt Williamson joining us now here on the Crowley Show to discuss. Matt, what's going on, buddy? How you doing, dude? Hello? I'm doing all right. Let's oh, get right down to it. The Patriots do lose last night, and... I think their receivers stink, but they're going to fix that problem. What other problems does New England have? That's a huge one. I mean, these last two weeks, we've seen uncommon double teams on Gronk. I mean, basically like like he's a punt gunner. I mean, it, it's crazy. that they're, they're not. No one's going to let Gronk beat them, and they don't have anybody else. I thought Hogan would be a little better. Um, but Edelman returns. Hopefully he's not, you know, to pass over the hill, decrepit guy. And they're going to incorporate Josh Gordon in some way, shape, or form. On defense, though, they're slow. And part of its scheme, they kind of do that on purpose because they want to play with so many defensive backs. Their defensive tackles are Malcolm Brown, Shelton, huge human beings that don't run well. But now their linebackers, Bentley and especially Hightower, are huge human beings for their position that don't run well. And... They don't have Flowers, who's really their best front seven player. He returns. He's a very good pass rusher. So they're not getting any pass rush, and they're not getting the ball. I know it's early for this, but you've got Miami coming to town. If you're the New England Patriots at 3-0, and and if you're New England, you, you lose. You wind up being 1-3. and They're 4-0. and You're three games back in the division. Do you think that they find a way to win that game? you, you think that the Patriots find a way to – make their magic come together, or are these roster 
problems really big enough that we could find New England being 1-3 and three to start the year. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. Miami is playing very well. And I will say that of the teams in the division, Miami historically plays the Patriots the best, although that's usually in Miami. And I don't think Brady likes playing in heat, by the way. I think we saw that in Jacksonville. You know, old man. Um, I'm going to – I mean – Patriots have to be favored in that game, though, right? And it just—it's almost like tonight, where we trust certain organizations to steer the ship properly. And you know, history shows us that Miami shouldn't beat the Patriots in New England. What the hell happened to Minnesota, man? Man, I mean, I never use the term flat or unprepared. But that was like the definition of it. I mean, I said on Friday on my podcast that, boy, this is looking like a trap game. You know, like, I'm not going to pick the Bills to win, but don't be surprised if it's closer than you think. After an overtime game that they probably shouldn't have tied in against a massive rival and tying Aaron Rodgers and looking to Thursday, they play the Rams. I mean, like, if there's a definition of a sandwich mm. trap game, that was it. The worst team in the league come into, the, come into your place, and you think you got it made, had a few injuries. Their offensive line worries me from the beginning, and Cousins is one of those guys that when times are tough, I don't really trust him. You know, I think he's a do-too-much type of guy, turn the ball over too much, and the Bills played well. I mean, I, I know that there is certainly – I still think they're the worst team in the league, and – but I think that at times throughout the year, you realize that no team in the NFL really stinks. You know, like I heard somebody today say, you really think Alabama could beat the Bills now? You know, like, it's not even close. You know, that there's still a lot of really good football players on that team, and they are well coached. Well, to that point, what do you make of a weekend where there is a lot of upheaval, where there are a lot of upsets like there were this week? We see it in the beginning of the season every year, it seems like. But this year, maybe more than any in recent memory, and maybe it's just because of the recency bias, but it really seems like some teams we didn't expect to do well are coming out of the gate kind of slow. I mean, you look at Atlanta, they're coming out slow. The Patriots, the Steelers, obviously. Uh, even now at this point, Minnesota. I mean, you look at these teams, and, and the Packers even, uh, and you think, Philly, okay, that, that wasn't really all that expected. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Eagles, the Saints, I mean, I know they both got wins, yeah. but... They were my top two teams in the power ranks. And some of these teams, like the Eagles, like the Falcons, I think are, a lot of it has to do with injury. I mean, the Falcons have a lot of problems on defense right now, and I don't know if they're going to stop anyone anymore. Early in the year, I, I dismissed it, and I feel confident saying that it's hard to get a judge early in the season because these teams don't play their starters. But the team that played their starters the least is the Rams, and they look better than anybody. And now we're week three. I mean, you should be in football shape. You've played 60 minutes twice. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that there's a rash of upsets. I mean, is it different this year than most seasons? I mean, that Bills-Vikings game absolutely stands out. And I think there's some teams you could look at, like the Packers, Maybe they aren't as good as we thought. You know, I mean, they tied the, the Vikes, who just got blown out. Um, they weren't super impressive in week one. They got handled by the Redskins. Maybe Green Bay is just an average team. The Chiefs 38, the 49ers 27. Obviously a lot going on with the 49ers and losing their quarterback, who hadn't been all that great anyhow. But the Chiefs offense, 
it just looks amazing. And we really hadn't had to see Pat Mahomes use his feet all that often until this game. It just adds a different dimension. He can move around in the pocket, out of the pocket. The guy is such an athlete. I mean, is this the best offense in the NFL? I know it is right now, but are, are they going to remain the best offense in the NFL? It's hard to argue with, um, although the Rams leave us no reason to think yeah. they aren't still the champ. I mean, they scored the most points in the league last year. Goff looks better this year than ever. Both teams have added some new wrinkles to already great schemes. So I think those two kind of stand alone. But, I mean, Pittsburgh, the Eagles, the Patriots, I mean, we might be changing our tune in November on those guys. Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley Show. All right, looking ahead to tonight, Steelers and Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers can't really run the ball, can they? No. No, I mean, that's what's kind of odd about this team is they really have gone as Fitzpatrick has gone, which is less scary than the Chiefs because, yes, they have great weapons like Kansas City, and they're well-coached, but they're not super-schemed up like Andy Reid. But they can really only beat you in one way right now, and they've been beating people that way. But can it keep up with this guy? Yeah, I think obviously that's the key. Um, what do the Steelers do? It looks like Cody Sensabaugh is going to start at corner instead of Artie Burns. So what are you looking at from a defensive philosophy for the Steelers? I mean, you still have to stop the run, I guess. But, I mean, how much do you not worry about that with how little success they've already had this season? Yeah, the Sensabaugh start, I think, tells us a lot if you're a wise analyst like we are. You know, like a week Ooh. ago I was telling you after one showing of Mahomes, you know, we saw one game of Mahomes, I was saying a week ago the Steelers would be smart to throw a wide variety of coverages at him, a wide variety of blitzes, throw the kitchen sink at him, vary things, take chances. And, well, that didn't work for a couple reasons. Mahomes passed that test with flying colors. He showed that he could handle it. You know, the Chargers didn't throw that at him in week one. And as a result of doing a lot attacking this young quarterback, the Steelers screwed up a lot and made a lot of mental errors and coverage busts. Mm. So now I think against the veteran quarterback, you say, let's just play it straight up. Let's play a lot of cover three. Let's do what we do well. Let's make Fitzpatrick sustain long drives, eliminate the big play, Make him, you know, matriculate the ball down the field without much of a run game. And I think that's the smart move. And in a way, that's kind of a knock on Burns. And Burns is clearly much more talented than Sensabaugh. But I think they want their players they can trust in the lineup right now. That we don't need the best athletes on the field. We're going to score points against Tampa. Let's not screw it up on defense because that had to have been. You say what you want about the, the, the Steeler coaching staff. And I think they've gotten too much heat. But any NFL coaching staff would watch that Chiefs film and stress to no end that we have to stop making mental errors or we can't win football games. Well, all right, so let's stick with that for a moment. The Steelers, they do give up the 42 points to the Chiefs, but the Chiefs scored a bunch of points in every game that they've played so far. So uh, the Steelers' defense not as bad as we're all making it out to be. I mean, sure. just playing the Chiefs, I mean, you think that, that means the Steelers are maybe a little bit better than that tape indicates? Yeah, and the Browns' offense I don't think is a joke anymore, and I thought the defense played quite well in that game. And for some reason everyone around here forgets that and just dismisses it as, ah, it was the Browns. But and one of those touchdown drives was from the one-yard line. It was a one-yard drive that you know, turned into seven points. And they were horrible against the Chiefs.
But even if the even those that think Tomlin should have been fired years ago can't possibly believe that they're going to make mental errors to that degree going forward. I mean, that's as bad as it gets from a mental perspective or route running or route reading perspective. Those type of things that's going to come back because these are what that's what NFL teams do. It's like the Bills. You're not going to embarrass yourself week after week after week. Um, so. My hunch is, unless injuries really hit this team at an unbelievable level, that we'll look back at week two and say clearly that was their worst defensive game. Like, I'm not saying it's the 77 team, but it's not that bad. Speaking of injuries, now flipping to the other side with Matt Williamson here on the Crowley Show. No DeCastro, no Gilbert tonight. How much does that worry you? A little. I mean, well, significantly, don't get me wrong. I mean, Gilbert to me is one of the best right tackles in the league. Zach Martin's probably the only guard in football that I'd put ahead of DeCastro. And I think that we saw last year, or last week, a DeCastro, you know, a line without DeCastro isn't the same. He's great. I mean, he's on Hall of Fame pace. But the guys replacing him, I think, are quality players. And if you told me this, you know, in August, I would have been like, oh, man, that Bucks D-line is deep. They've gone out and used the first-round pick on Vita Vea. They signed uh, Curry. They, they traded for Pierre Paul. They signed Bo Allen. They have a deep eight-man unit on the defensive front. But they've had a lot of injuries, too. So we haven't seen that. I mean, this was the worst pass defense in the league, had the fewest sacks, and an awful secondary. And on a team that only brings four and plays zone all the time, that's a disastrous, disastrous recipe. Well, the secondary doesn't look much better, and they tried to fix the D-line, but injuries have prevented that. So I don't know that it's the worst thing I've ever heard. Who you got tonight, Williamson? I got the Steelers, 31-24-ish. I just don't trust this Patrick. I mean, I think he turns back into a pumpkin to some degree. If I were to ask you which quarterback turns the ball over more tonight, who would you pick? You know, I think you'd pick Fitzpatrick, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd have to. Uh, I don't right. think you could go against that. The Steelers, they've... Right. And the Steelers have yet to lose a game ever to Fitzpatrick. I know some of that doesn't matter, but uh, right. it tells me that he's not the greatest player. Uh, last couple of things for you, Matt, then, apart Steelers from Steelers and Bucks tonight. No. Uh, Matt, Jimmy Garoppolo out for the season now with a torn ACL. Uh, Tom Savage getting the call, uh, perhaps, to be the guy. They've been in contact with him. Uh, that just sets the franchise back, right? I mean, you needed to keep seeing Garoppolo getting better. Yeah, and he has struggled this year. And I'm a big Jimmy fan. Yep. I'll be the first to say that it's not gone as smoothly as most of us thought it would. However, I never looked at the Niners this year as a contender in a really, really tough NFC conference there. That my hunch is how this season will go will be bad. You know, they're going to top. They're going to pick in the top five. They're going to land another stud somewhere in, in, the, in the draft that they probably wouldn't have got if Garoppolo wouldn't have got hurt. They haven't. They still have a lot of cap space, so it'll be another great off season. He, at least he got injured early in the year. He'll probably practice most of the off season, and they will look like a contender next year. But I think this year is going to be a wreck. Matt, are there any places that you think make the most sense for Le'Veon Bell if it were to get done? Because I don't think it's going to get done, but where makes sense if it were, if it were to get done? Indy, Buffalo, Jets. And I've been saying all along that if, you know, when he hits free agency, 
a team with one of these guys that just drafted a quarterback would make a lot of sense. You know, you're handing it over to Darnold. You're handing it over to Allen. Boy, it would be nice to make that guy's life easier by having Bell as his back, you know, and receiving back. And the Jets have an ungodly amount of cap space coming up. The Bills also have a lot. The Colts have an awful lot as well. And the Colts may even make some noise this year. I thought about San Francisco, and then Jimmy gets hurt, and it's like, it's not worth it this year. Um, maybe the Raiders, they've made two trades with them in a row. Lynch isn't going to last forever. A little birdie who's in the know told me that Gruden kind of is smitten with Bell, but I, I don't know if that happens. All right, last thing here for you, Matt. Josh Rosen apparently going to be the starter in Arizona moving forward. Good move or bad? Bound to happen. Bradford looks like he doesn't belong anymore. And we, it, what's funny every year, dude, is all these guys draft quarterbacks, and they all tell us they're not going to play this year or they're going to sit for a long time. Well, now four of them, with Lamar Jackson being the only exception, are their starters by week three. You know, like, it happens every year. I mean, the Jags take Bortles. Oh, he's going to sit all year. By week two, he's a starter. I mean, I don't know why we keep taking the cheese on these things. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks for fighting through the delay there. Uh, we'll talk again soon. <laughs> it was rough. Well, all right, we'll, we'll manage. Yeah, it does not make it easy. Thanks again, man. i got to let you go now because uh, you're probably going to start talking over me any second here. It's not your fault. It's not my fault either. It's not Kellen's fault. I will blame Tom. Tom Savage getting an opportunity to come in and play in place of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the conversation right now. What the hell happened to Landry Jones? Was he kneeling down during the National Anthem or something? Coming up next. Tigers back. And Steelers box. It's Crowley Show. Adam Crowley. He's not ordinary. He's extraordinary. So when you are, you know, when you are expertism, you know, you have to accept the fact that it's different. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Now, here's Adam Crowley. For the second straight week, the Steelers will be playing one of the most potent offenses in the National Football League. Last week it was the Kansas City Chiefs. This week, of course, it's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Thing is, the Chiefs have been putting up crazy numbers on Everybody. They put up 31 points in the first half this weekend. Uh, they put up in the 30s against the Chargers. I believe it was 38 against them in weekend number one. 42 against the Steelers last weekend. So, Steelers fans, and this is when you usually chime in and call, you reach out to me at 412-922-2874. Do you feel better about the Steelers' defense now knowing that Kansas City has done this to everyone that they've played? Now, that being said... 49ers aren't a great team, and their defense still has a long way to go. It is probably the best defense that they've played thus far out of the three, but it's not great either. So I wonder, Steelers fans, if you feel better about this defense having seen what the Chiefs have done. I don't. I feel maybe, okay, overstated. I feel a little bit better. 
Uh, it makes me realize that the Chiefs have done this to everyone, that them coming into Heinz Field and putting up 42 is something they'll probably do to other teams this year, go into their home stadium, put up a butt-ton of points, blow them out of the water, make it tough to play against them because you got to be perfect if you're the offense on the other side. That being said, the problems the Steelers' defense has are still problems. They're not going away just because the Steelers aren't going to be playing Kansas City. And the Steelers are going to have to play a lot of good offenses this year. I already told you they'll play Carolina. They'll play the Saints. They'll play Tampa Bay. They'll play New England. They're playing a lot of great offenses. So if you don't clear up these problems, you effed. You don't clear up these problems and the offense continues to be somewhat inconsistent. You effed. Tonight's a big, big question mark for me as it comes to the offense. Uh, can the offense keep up with Fitzpatrick? But defensively, can the Steelers just slow him down a little bit because they're not going to be able to run the football? Here are the issues that, just because the Steelers played Kansas City last week, I still think are there despite Kansas City being good. Inside linebackers a sim. John Bostic can come downhill and stop the run with the best of them in this league. He can't be on the field in coverage. He was in on a Tampa 2 play last week where Travis Kelsey goes over the top down the seam and he makes a big play. Bostick's never going to be successful there. Vince Williams, likewise, never going to be successful there. Both of the Steelers' inside linebackers are big, and both the Steelers' inside linebackers aren't athletic enough to cover down the field. That doesn't matter who you're playing. That's just the truth. You watched Donta Hightower last night with the New England Patriots. He was bad. He was slow. Their whole defense looked slow. It's not because they were playing Detroit. No, it's because they're slow. Steelers' inside linebackers are slow. Bud Dupree, I don't care if you're playing Kansas City. I don't care whom you're playing. He's not good enough. And I keep wanting to leave the light on for him, as Mike Tomlin would say. I keep wanting him to bust through and become a breakout player. But how long do you have to wait? So that is going to be a problem, whether or not they're playing the Chiefs or the Patriots of 2007 or the 1999 greatest show on turf Rams he's not good enough they're not good enough at inside linebacker on the defensive line I think Javon Hargrave can be pushed around I think Daniel McCullers is just a guy so the depth behind your two big dudes the depth behind Cam Hayward and the depth behind Stefan Tewitt scares me it doesn't matter who you're playing it scares me then you look at the secondary Cody Sensabaugh is probably going to play a majority of the snaps tonight instead of Artie Burns Cody Sensabaugh. Now, it tells you what they think about Sensabaugh. It tells you what they think about Burns. It tells you what they're going to do game plan-wise against Tampa Bay. They're going to try to keep everything in front of them. It's going to be very Dick LeBeau-esque. Tackle the catch, get some pressure on the quarterback, stop the run, and hope Fitzpatrick can eat you up down the field. But if you're going to play Cody Sensabaugh, who's just a random guy in this league, he's just a dude, Then what's that tell you about Artie Burns? It tells you he's not good enough. So that's a problem. Terrell Edmonds, I think, is going to be very good one day. He's very young. So he's not going to be a finished product this year. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to misread some things. Sean Davis, I think, looked a couple of weeks ago like a natural free safety. I think he's got it in there. But again, he's coming off of not playing the position very much and with the different partners. So he is going to make mistakes out there. Mistakes in the back end lead to points. These are all problems 
that are independent of the opponent. These are all problems that whether you're playing Kansas City or the 2007 Patriots or the 1999 Greatest Show on Turf Rams, 2005 Indianapolis Colts, doesn't matter. Those problems are going to be problems. Those problems aren't going to get fixed overnight. Maybe they get better as the season goes along because you'll have more continuity. But inside linebackers never getting better. The only way to make that better is scheme-wise is to put an extra safety in the box and pull one of those inside linebackers off the field. But again, the youth at safety is alarming. So the question is, do you think the Steelers are better than what they showed last week against Kansas City? And my answer is yes. But that doesn't mean that there still aren't concerns. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. That's 412-922-2874. Going to be joined by Jenna Lane coming up at 520 today on the Crowley Show. We'll get to Tiger Woods coming up in about 10 minutes here on the program. He won. It wasn't a major, but he won. And I'll tell you why you should be happy about that if you're a sports fan. Steelers fans are all up in my menchies today telling me the Patriots suck. Well, I recognize the avatars. There are a lot of the same people telling me that the Steelers are going to be fine. They're going to bounce back. So, y'all homers, or should I say yin's homers, but the self-awareness there is zero. The Pats will be fine. The Steelers, we shall see. Steelers will be fine. The Pats, we shall see. It's just the way that fans go, right? Well, here's what I say. The Pats will be fine, and the Steelers, we shall see. The Steelers' defense needs a lot of work. Steelers are banged up along the offensive line. We'll talk about how that affects the team as we move forward in the program. Uh, They'll be without right tackle and right guard. That's not right. That's a big problem for the Steelers. Uh, The two best, I think, run blockers on the team and really the strength of the offense at this point in Ben Roethlisberger's career is that offense. So... Uh, I don't think that they're going to be in a good spot. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be a one or two seed type team. The Patriots, while they've got problems, I think theirs are somewhat fixable. Uh, They can't get any separation at the wide receiver position. Julian Edelman can't get free because he's not playing. Josh Gordon can't get free because he's not playing. Edelman will be back in two weeks, not this one, but the game after. Josh Gordon could play in this game. They'll fix that problem. Defensively, they always seem to get better as the season goes along. The Steelers, I can't say the same thing. 412-922-2874. Let's get to Devin first up today on Corona Tailgate Talk. What's up, Dev? What's up, buddy? Quick question, and then I'll say what I needed wanted to say. Did they bench Artie Burns? Cody Sensabaugh is going to get the majority of the snaps tonight. The only reason I want to ask you that is because they said if William Jackson was available, that Artie Burns was their man regardless. So I just want to know. That tells you enough, right, that they've soured on him. I think that it is really about the game plan, Devin, that they want to keep the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in front of them. They want to play a lot of zone tonight instead of playing man-to-man. That being said, at this point in his career, year number three, you'd like to trust Artie Burns at being able to play zone. So that's not a good sign. What's the other thing about it? People always overreact to football, even five weeks in. You still don't know which teams are really good and which are bad. You remember when Kansas City was 0-5 and they beat us, and then they didn't lose a game yep. for the rest of the season? Or when the Vikings were 7-0 and and they were world beaters, then they went 7-9 and for the season? <laughs> Football's not a game that can be dissected this early in the season. 
Well, that being happen. said, though, you fall back to 0-2-1 and if you're the Steelers by losing tonight. Do you like their chances to make the playoffs? It scares me mathematically and who they're playing like the rest of the year. I don't like tonight. <laughs> Let alone for the rest of the season. I mean, when, you're, when, you're, when your defense is that poor, I mean, I, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, man. It was all about defense. I'm not used to this, oh, uh, no. offense. You can't win championships without defense. Oh, the dad line coming from Devin. You are right, though. So the question is, do you feel better about the defense, though, after having seen Kansas City? Uh, I do a little bit, but you give up 42 points at home after giving up 38 in a playoff game. Uh, I'm not feeling Brother, that much better. this is the same squad that, that – who was the starting quarterback for the Green Bay last year? Brett Hundley. They'll throw for 300 yards on them. Like, uh, if you know, anybody can throw for 300 yards on the Steelers. <laughs> Appreciate the time, buddy. Thanks a lot. 412-922-2874. I just say goodbye to Devin as if he's a guest on the program. You can follow Devin on Twitter at, I don't know. I love Devin, though. Coming up next, Tiger Woods. He's a winner again. And some numbers about the Buccaneers that will make you want to throw yourself off a cliff. It's a Crowley Show.